Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we got a great one for you today, the Friday edition, where we get to preview the rest of the matchups for Week 7. We got the 4 o'clock games, the Sunday night and the Monday night game, along with kicking off the episode with a recap of last night's game, which we have a lot to talk about there. And of course, at the very end, a mailbag segment from you, the fans. You are not going to want to miss a thing throughout this entire show. So let's go ahead and get it started because we have a lot to get to and we have our weekends approaching that we're going to have some fun and then be able to relax and be able to dominate on football on Sunday. So let's go ahead and hit that break and get right into the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. So, of course, the big news, and I'm recording this about early afternoon Friday, and I did that purposely so I could wait for the Patrick Mahomes news, because that's the biggest thing that everyone's going to be talking about today, uh, of course, because, you know, it's not just about Patrick Mahomes, who it would be a big detrimental to the league if he were to miss a significant amount of time, but also for fantasy purposes, not just for Mahomes owners, but you also, everyone has a piece of the Chiefs offense. You own guys like Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, LaShawn McCoy. Most people still have a shares of Damian Williams. And all that is because of Patrick Mahomes. That's why they all have value in the first place. So it does look like we have some good news to talk about here. Patrick Mahomes was able to get his MRI results back today, and they came back pretty positive, relatively speaking. It was a dislocated kneecap. I think everybody who was watching that game live, or really since then, if you've seen any videos or Twitter, saw that he had his kneecap bop pack in the place uh, on the field. 
It was definitely something to uh, to definitely look at there. But it does look like he gets the best case scenario, which is there wasn't any additional damage to go with it, ligament damage or otherwise, no fractures. So that should put him on track to be a, possibly a three to four week injury. Now, this is a crucial part of the season. So you're talking about possibly it being week 11. Now, with the Chiefs having their bye in week 12, if he if he's not able to come back in three weeks, which would be he's healthy by week ten, maybe week eleven he comes back, they have their by week twelve. There's a really good chance that he could wind up maybe just missing an extra week unless they really need him back for that eleventh game because they're not able to win too many games after this, and that could be a scenario in which case they need him to come back and if he's fully healthy by then because he's Patrick Mahomes. But I do think there's a real shot here that he's not back till week thirteen. Um, even even best case scenario because they're going to have that bye week there in week 12. So if they're not in a desperate situation and he's not 100% by then, there's a good chance we're probably not going to see Mahomes till week 13. Now, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. And if you're a Mahomes owner, if you can figure out a way to put yourself in position to try to be in the playoffs come week 13, because we're talking about you know, 14, 15, 16 is usually the fantasy playoffs for most leagues, you might be okay. You might have him for that stretch. The key is going to be getting there. And that's also going to be the key for, you know, people who own Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Look, this really affects everyone involved here. I think LaShawn McCoy is the one person who gets to benefit a bit. I mean, we saw in this game, he is the lead rusher. He is the guy they're going to turn to. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't clear before because he did have the most carries in this game, Damian Williams, who had nine carries, only had seven yards. And at the end of the game, where they're trying to just run the run the clock out, and they used Damian Williams on that last series, he didn't get any room to run at any point this game at all. While Sean McCoy was averaging five yards a carry, so I definitely expect Sean McCoy a to be more involved. He may be looking at. 15 carries a game now because they are going to look to lean on the run a little bit more. And because Damian Williams is not a good runner, and I've been saying that from the get-go, which is why he's one of my best guys for this season, there's a good chance LaShawn McCoy is going to get more and more of the rushing work and be more and more of the lead guy. So I do think McCoy becomes a flex guy in this scenario. This is still an offense that has a ton of weapons. And Matt Moore is not completely incompetent as far as backup quarterbacks go he's not he's actually not terrible now he's of course he's not Patrick Mahomes this offense isn't going to be as as explosive without Mahomes in in it but they still have enough weapons Matt Moore is still competent enough that they should be able to move the ball and keep guys like Tyree Kill Travis Kelsey fantasy relevant the guy who I'm most worried about not just because he's trying to work his way back from injury Sammy Watkins you know he's coming back off the hamstring injury he didn't play in this game but he's such a boomer bust guy as it is that I think he's somebody who in this situation becomes more of a wide receiver for. He still has the ability to have a big play when he's out in the field, but he's become, he, he'll be, be, without Patrick Mahomes, he'll be solely a big play or a bust type of wide receiver moving forward. So he gets hurt the worst out of the scenario. Tyree Kill, I still think you have to consider him a high-end wide receiver too. You saw last night, wasn't doing much, but it only takes one play with Tyree Kill. He's such a special talent out there. And he's so fast that he can always take whatever touches he gets to the house, and he will be the number one wide receiver. The one thing I expect Matt Moore to do, I expect him to lean heavily on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey as far as the targets go. Now, the opportunities might not be as great, but the volume, I think, will still be there for both of those players. Maybe Travis Kelsey takes a little bit of a hit, but I don't know how much of a hit Travis Kelsey takes. He hasn't had a great season even with Mahomes. He's only had one really great game. He's only had one touchdown on the season. 
putting up usually between 70 and 80 yards, except for the last two weeks, 50, and then last night, only 40 yards. So I don't know if he takes much more of a hit. I think he, you can pretty much expect him to be what he has been, which is serviceable and with the potential of turning things around in the red zone. I mean, eventually this guy is going to have to get involved in the red zone. And maybe with Matt Moore in there, being that he's not going to look for Nicole Harmon and Demarcus Robinson and, and those types of guys, especially in certain situations, he's going to look to lean on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Maybe Kelsey's actually able to get more involved in the red zone as we move forward. So I don't, it doesn't really actually change much for me. He's still a top end tight end. He's still going to be a top five tight end. If you're in leagues where you don't have a tight end, he's, going to be still a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. So I don't think the value really changes all that much. In fact, if anything, maybe in some ways it helps him get a little bit back on track because I do expect the volume to be force-fed to him to some degree. But this offense in general is not going to be as high-scoring. Uh, it's definitely something you're going to have to keep in mind there. So everyone takes a little bit of a downtick. Like I said, except for Travis Kelsey because he hasn't really had that great of a season to begin with. And the type of production he's been putting up with Patrick Mahomes, I would suspect he'd be able to do with Matt Moore, uh, quite frankly. So that's what we're looking at there as far as moving forward. In this game, like we said, we talked about, Tyreek Hill was still able to do his thing. LaShawn McCoy was the lead back. They did try to get Damian Williams involved. But even in the passing game where you would expect, expect Damian Williams to be more ahead, he only had three targets. Darrell Williams had two. LaShawn McCoy had two. So he's not even taking the lead there. And he looks by far the worst of the three runners when it comes to running the football. Now, Darren Williams is definitely the odd man out in this one. But what it does, it's confirming for me that LaShawn McCoy is going to be a flex play moving forward, at the very least, and possibly work his way into being the low-end RB2, depending on the amount of volume he's going to get moving forward as they try to take pressure off of Matt Moore. Uh, and they're, cause, you know, they're not going to be as gunslinger happy here with Matt Moore back there. So that's something we're going to have to watch Andy Reid change up his play calling. A lot of things to watch with Kansas City moving forward. On Denver's side of the ball, Joe Flacco looked like he didn't want to be out there. I'm plain and simple. He just, look, he got hit a ton. Eight sacks in this game. You're not going to be able to do a lot with that. That is true. And Flacco's not somebody who fantasy purposes were counting on anyway, of course. But you at least need him to be competent in order to get these guys involved. You need, you know, you're counting on Cortland Sutton, who still had a decent game, six catches for 87 yards, but he should have had a huge game in this one if Flacco looked like he wasn't so disinterested, especially for the entire second half. Emmanuel Sanders had five catches for 60 yards. He should have had a much bigger game in this one. So when you have one of these wide receivers, you need Joe Flacco to find a way to get some urgency under him. I mean, this team was 0-4. They won the last two games on a little bit of a roll, and he looked like as lethargic as they come out there. Now, the problem is that there's no one really to turn to. Drew Locke is still working his way back. They don't they don't really have a legitimate backup quarter, quarterback out there. So I don't know. what Joe Flacco is still going to be the guy moving forward, but he needs to get a fire lit under his ass. Otherwise, pretty soon... In certain matchups, you're not going to be able to trust Sutton or Emmanuel Sanders at all. And they've been pretty valuable high-end wide receiver threes for you. And Cortland Sutton looked like he was ready to take that next step to be a wide receiver too. But now if Joe Flacco is going to play like that, he just looked disinterested, especially in the second half. Complete, completely not okay. As far as the running back situation go, they continue their 50-50 split. Royce Freeman does find the end zone for the first time all season in this one, though. 10 carries for 35 yards and a touchdown. Phil Lindsay, 11 carries, 36 yards. Not a great efficiency day, but he really got tripped up on one. He might have had a big 
big run in this one uh, earlier on in the game. Just got tripped up as he got to the outside zone. Otherwise, he might have went for 40-yard touchdown in that one. Uh, better days are ahead. They still have to lean on the running game. It's still a matchup base, though. Uh, Philip Lindsay is still more of an RB3 than he is an RB2. When you mix in the 50-50 split going on with him and Royce Freeman, and the fact that the Broncos are at times just look so pathetic on offense that you don't know what you're going to get out of them that can really limit the opportunities they have to be able to score. And the other thing I take into consideration is Royce Freeman is getting more and more and more involved in the passing game. Um, Total-wise, he actually winds up out-touching Philip Lindsay because he gets five targets, which he's been pretty pretty consistently over the past few weeks, four catches, 32 yards, while Philip Lindsay only had one target on one screen pass that went for negative four yards. I don't, Philip Lindsay needs to be more involved in the passing game because he's definitely a better playmaker. I've said this before. The reason why we're seeing Roy Streaming more involved as of late is because he is the better pass blocker. And the offensive line right now for the Broncos needs as much help as they can possibly get. But this is really killing Philip Lindsay's value, that the fact that he's not more involved in the pass game like he should. But Royce Freeman continues to be a low-end flex appeal play in and of itself. And when we have these bye weeks, all these running backs gone and some injuries here and there, he's a guy who you can spot start in an RB2 situation because you know at least he's going to be serviceable. That was his first touchdown of the year, so keep that in mind. But he has been pretty serviceable every single week because of his involvement in the passing game. So just something to keep your eyes on there. But now that we got through the recap on this one, let's turn around and go to our preview matchup for our first late Sunday afternoon game we want to talk about, which is the Chargers and the Tennessee Titans. And we got some interesting storylines in this game. Tennessee Titans, of course, on their side of the ball, they're starting Brian Tannehill over Marcus Mariota. What does that mean for fantasy purposes? Eh, Not a damn thing. Nothing. Look, Ryan Tannehill, to me, is Marcus Mariota. He runs a little bit. He throws checks downs. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, Marcus Mariota, until last week, hadn't turned the ball over. So other than Tennessee clearly having him on a very, very, very short leash this entire season, I don't know what they expect to get as an improvement on Ryan Tannehill over Marcus Mariota. The only thing I could think that could even possibly be an improvement would be if Ryan Tannehill is at least willing to be a little bit more aggressive. And it's clear to me now why Marcus Mariota was so conservative. Even more, He's always been a conservative quarterback, but he was even more conservative this year than he had in previous years. And it was a little mind-blowing because he actually had another guy outside of Corey Davis who can get down the field vertically, and that was A.J. Brown. And now it's clear to me. He knew if he threw a pick, he was going to get benched. He hadn't thrown an interception all year, and yet he gets benched immediately. So no wonder why he was being ultra conservative. So if they're not going to have Ryan, the only thing I can see an improvement is they don't have Ryan Tannehill on the same type of leash that they had Marcus Mariota. Maybe he knows going into it that he could throw a pick or two and still be able to keep his job because they've been looking for reasons to turn it over to Ryan Tannehill. I think that might be what's going on and that's the case. So maybe if he's allowed to be more aggressive fantasy purpose wise for when you're talking about AJ Brown or Corey Davis or even Delaney Walker as of late too, maybe this will help them to some degree. But looking at it from a quarterback talent standpoint, I don't know what the difference is here. So for right now, until we actually get to see a different style of play, uh, to me, this doesn't change anything fantasy wise when you're talking about AJ Brown, Corey Davis or Delaney Walker doesn't change a damn thing and it doesn't really change anything with Derrick Henry this this offense is still going to go through him the idea is still going to be to run the football and play defense for this team now going up against the Chargers I think Derrick Henry will be a fine RB2 I'm not going to start any of the pass catcher Tennessee Titans until I get to see what they look like under Ryan Tannehill there's no reason to you shouldn't have to lean on them anyway you haven't been all season 
Now, on the Chargers side of the ball, a lot of talk about Melvin Gordon getting more and more work. Now, I kind of figured they would work him up more and more and more as you know the weeks go on, as he's getting up back up to snuff. But he came out after last week, made a big story of, I need to get the ball more to get back into rhythm. Anthony Lynn seemed to back that notion. Uh, he didn't come out and condemn it. He, in fact, he said, you know what, he might need to get the ball more. And the one thing for the Chargers going into this game, while the Tennessee Titans are a terrible matchup for running backs, they are expected to get Russell Okung back, which would be huge with that offensive line depleted the way that it has been for the past couple of weeks. A lot of people are trying to blame Melvin Gordon, like, oh, their running game hasn't been nearly as good since Melvin Gordon's come back. Like, maybe they're not doing themselves any favors. Maybe Austin Eckler's actually better. First of all, that that's just... Idiot, idiocracy right there. Austin Eckler is not better than Melvin Gordon. That That's number one, just from a talent standpoint. He's good at what he does. He's not better than Melvin Gordon. So everyone just needs to chill out, you know, try to remember more than five seconds ago. You know, you are human beings, not goldfish. You have a memory that can last a few years. He's not better than Melvin Gordon. That's number one that I've been infuriated with all week. The second thing to go with this is that no one seems to be taking into consideration that the other thing that coincided with Melvin Gordon's return was the depletion of the offensive line. Pouncey and Okong both went out the same week that Melvin Gordon came back. So he hasn't played behind a healthy offensive line that Austin Eckler was playing behind in the first beginning part of the season either. So that plays a big role here. You saw it last week, what happened when that offensive line didn't have their main starters in Pouncey or Okong. They were dominated. Dominated. It wasn't just Gordon who didn't do well. Eckler didn't do well. And Phil Rivers was on, on the run the entire game. So that plays a big role here. Now, they're not going to get Mount Pouncey back at all this season, which is a huge loss. But if they get Okung back, it will help a lot. And it will help especially with the outside zone runs that Melvin Gordon excels at and what they try to do offensively. So I do think Anthony Lynn has something up his sleeve. He he is very good at getting at maximizing his running game when he's able to put his mind on it. And the third thing I want to point out is that the last two weeks in a row, the Chargers have fallen down 14 and 21 to nothing in the first quarter. That's not going to happen against Tennessee this week. So it's going to be a more competitive game from start to finish, and it will give them the ability to be able to stick with their run game and stick with their game plan. So I don't love the matchup, obviously, but Melvin Gordon to me is somebody that you just have to start because he's that good. The offensive line will be a, at least a little bit better with Arsenal Kung back, and there's going to be an emphasis on getting him the ball, I think, even, so he's going to get the touches. Keenan Allen, you have to keep playing him. Don't love the matchup, obviously. Tennessee's a very good defense. It's in Tennessee, but Keenan Allen's still a wide receiver one. He will right the ship. He'll get back on track. The guy who I don't want to play is Mike Williams. He has had double-digit targets the past two weeks and has not been streaming quarterback list. He would He's pretty far down. In fact, I can look it up for you here because uh, I did have it, up, have it up not too long ago, but I actually have uh, Phillip Rivers outside of streaming territory, not just outside of the QB1 situation, but pretty low down in the QB2 territory. And I have him here at number... Well, that's overall. I have him here at 20th overall for quarterbacks this week. So don't play Phillip Rivers. That's what I'm. That's basically what I'm telling you there too. And I know he's been a guy that people have leaned on as their second quarterback or a streaming option. You can't play him with the way he's played as of late against Tennessee in Tennessee. You can't can't do it. You can't trust it. There's a lot of better options this week that I would go with. I would go with guys like Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo or even Matthew Stafford against Minnesota because of the way he has played lately. I would take any of those guys over Phil Rivers uh, this particular week. Jacoby Brissett being one of my top streaming quarterbacks. Hell, I'm not a Daniel Jones fan, 
but I would even play Daniel Jones against Arizona before playing Phil Rivers this week. I would. Gardner Minshew is one of my top streaming quarterbacks of the week. I'd play him. There's plenty of options that should give you more upside that are available to you than Phil Rivers. And in, in most situations, obviously, there's some leagues that seem to want to stash quarterbacks. But in most situations, there's other options you can go to. The next game we got to talk about here is the Saints and the Chicago Bears. This game, it, it, it might be brutal for fantasy purposes, especially. Now, we got Alvin Kamara, who's not going to be 100%. Uh, hasn't been able to practice. The expectation is he's going to be able to put a limited capacity of practice together today and still play on Sunday, but not be anywhere near 100%. And he's more banged up this week than he was last week. So there's a chance, actually, he doesn't play. And they've already signed, I believe it was Zach Zenner earlier on in the week to give themselves an insurance policy. But what I would say is that if Alvin Kamara plays, you have to play him because he will be involved with the passing game. And that will always give him a decent floor, especially when talking about PPR leagues. But as long as he's out there, he's a player that I think you have to play. I don't know how you're going to have a better option than him. But the matchup's brutal, and him not being anywhere near 100% is brutal too. So maybe if you're in an 8- or a 10-man league and you have a crazy amount of running backs, maybe in that scenario you don't play Alvin Kamara. But I have a hard time imagining in 12-team leagues, for the most part, you're going to have a better option. So if he plays, you got to play him. If not, Latavius Murray is somebody who is on my waiver wire report. He was only 47% owned on average. Hopefully you picked him up and you're going to be able to play him if Kamara cannot go. Uh, but even then, that's still, to me, he was just a handcuff to Kamara owners because if you're not a Kamara owner, I still wouldn't play Latavius Murray against Chicago even if he's going to be the sole starter. And with this injury with Kamara, it looks like it to be kind of a week-to-week thing where I don't know if he misses next week, even if he misses this week. It doesn't look like it's going to be a long-term injury. So that's why I said Latavius Murray is more of a Alvin Kamara placeholder than anything else for fantasy football purposes. Michael Thomas, you know, again, it's Chicago, it's in Chicago, but Michael Thomas is going to get a hell of a lot of targets, especially if Alvin Kamara is not out there. He's going to be the main part of the offense for the Saints to try to move the ball, period. So that's something I want to, uh, you should keep in mind as well. Um, so he, you can definitely play Michael Thomas. And Jared Cook doesn't look like he's going to play on Sunday either. So you're going to have to make other options there. After after he's finally put together two weeks in a row where he scored a touchdown, I don't think you're going to have him this week. On the Chicago side of the ball, we are expecting Mitchell Trubisky to make a return. What does that do for fantasy purposes? Well, I think it does elevate some guys. Like, I don't know, if you're in a super deep league and you've been waiting for Anthony Miller to show something, um, that's about it. I mean, it doesn't change too much because Allen Robinson is going to be heavily targeted no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Chabisky, whether it's Chase Daniels. And in this game, being that he has to go up against Marshawn Lattimore, who's been playing really well as of late, with the Saints defense has been pretty been playing pretty well as of late. I don't have a high expectation for Allen Robinson this week. And also David Montgomery, who's playing against the Saints defense, who's one of the top running defenses in the NFL right now. He's going to probably get 18 to 20 carries. I mean, I don't expect this to be a high-scoring game. I expect it to be a pretty competitive, low-scoring game through four quarters. So he's going to have the opportunity to get his touches, and he probably will. I just It just very well may be another inefficient day for David Montgomery heading into this one. So I don't have a high expectation for him, too. But the volume should be there, making him a flex play in what's a heavy bye week. But that's pretty much it. You're not going to touch anybody else for fantasy purposes for the Bears. That includes Tariq Cohen. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I know he's been a little bit more involved in the passing game. He could be a sleeper play for PPR leagues if you want to take a chance because they have to get it to somebody besides Allen Robinson. But because this game is going to be close, Tyreek Cohen usually does not make his presence in games where Chicago is not coming from behind for multiple scores. And I don't see that being the case in this one. Next game we're going to talk about is the Baltimore Ravens and the Seattle Seahawks in this game. So, this is going to be a big, right? Marquise Brown, not expected to play, missed all of this week's of practice again. And it makes sense because if he's not 100% healthy, their bye week is next week, so he can come back in week nine and be healthy then most likely. Uh, what does that mean? Lamar Jackson is still Lamar Jackson. He's going to run. He's always going to have that great floor for you. It means more volume for Mark Andrews, who's been a top tight end every single week pretty much. Continues to be one here against Seattle. Seattle's defense is not something that I'm afraid of when it comes to pass catchers the way they have been in the past. So I do think Mark Andrews is going to be okay. There's not another wide receiver, no matter what the matchup is, uh, that you're going to play for the Baltimore Ravens. But Lamar Jackson, as long as he has Mark Andrews, is going to be efficient enough through the air with his rushing ability that he's still going to be a top quarterback. And he's been the number one guy. And without Patrick Mahomes for the next few weeks, he might continue to be the number one guy. Even, you know, even, even when he has a bye week next week, he might still be up there. So you're going to have to keep playing Lamar. You play Mark Ingram. Yes, Seattle's defense has been pretty good against the run, but the Ravens are going to have to find ways to run the football, and I think Mark Ingram might find himself a little bit more involved in the passing game this week too. So you're going to play all three of those guys. Everyone else you're not going to touch. On the Seattle Seahawks side of the ball, it's in Seattle. Uh, I know the Ravens traded for Marcus Peters, but it's still the first week there. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make or if he's even necessarily going to play. I mean, they're going through the same thing right now with Jalen Ramsey on the Rams. It's, we don't know necessarily these guys are actually going to play their first week there. There's a lot you have to be able to take in and learn. And even if they do, who knows how much they're going to be able to be involved in the defense. Uh, so I'm not really worried about that too much right now. Uh, Jimmy Smith's still been a, bit, a little bit banged up. So Tyler Lockett, to me, is still as safe as they come as a wide receiver, too. I think this is a game where he could see a good amount of volume. Uh, DK Metcalf is always a guy who is a big play away from making a big fantasy impact day. And I don't think that necessarily disappears here. Yes, the Ravens have Earl Thomas, which does take away some of the deep plays. But... He also could be focusing on trying to take Tyler Lockett away in the middle of the football field. And the one thing with Seattle is that because you have Lockett and DK Metcalf, you can't take away both when they go down the field. So both of them still have a big play potential. And in Lockett's case, he should see a decent amount of volume in this one. Chris Carson, I don't love the matchup because Brandon Williams is healthy for the Ravens, so their run defense shouldn't be too bad. But they haven't been an impenetrable run defense over the past few weeks. And even though Rashad Penny is expected to return... Uh, Chris Carson's been too good for Penny to really steal any significant touches away, I feel, from Chris Carson. So he's going to get his heavy dosage. He's going to still be a very solid RB, too. Even if it's not the greatest matchup in the world, he still could have a pretty decent game here at home. Uh, as far as the tight ends go, yes, Luke Wilson is expected to be the starter, but we know what Luke Wilson is. 
I mean, he's just an okay player. He's not somebody, he's not going to be Will Disley for fantasy purposes. And, you know, I know people are looking desperately to stream guys. He may come into that territory just because of sheer volume, but I wouldn't play him this week. I think there's other options that you could go with. You do start Russell Wilson. I think that kind of goes without saying. He's been one of the top quarterbacks. NFL-wise, he might be on his way to his MVP season, and he's been a top-five guy for fantasy uh, as well. We're going to take a quick break. We have the Sunday night and the Monday night games to preview on the other side, and then we'll get into the mailbag segment. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Sunday night game should be a really good one as we have a nice divisional matchup between the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. And this will be a big game for fantasy purposes as well, of course. I mean, on the Eagles side of the ball, Deshaun Jackson, he may miss one more week. It's leaning towards that way before he's able to make his way back, hopefully soon, because he will really help out everyone in the offense. But if he is out, that's more volume for Alshon Jeffrey. It's more volume for Zach Ertz. I expect them to be the main pass catchers. And it should be more volume for Miles Sanders if you're trying to play him in PPR leagues as a flex play. I think that's fine here because of the way he's been involved in the passing game since Deshaun Jackson has been out. Uh, definitely nothing I want to focus in on, but... I would say that he is somebody who you can play with the bye weeks the way that they are this week that could have some value in that situation, especially in PPR leagues, because he has been getting targeted pretty frequently there. Jordan Howard, of course, will continue to be the main runner, especially when they get inside the 10-yard line. It's Jordan Howard's show. So if Miles Sanders doesn't doesn't score through the passing game or doesn't break a big run, he's probably not going to get the opportunity to score a touchdown. Now, Dallas Cowboys defense, they are banged up right now. They haven't been playing nearly as well as the expectations that have been put on them this season the last couple of weeks. And with Crawford out, they are a team that no longer scares you as a run defense. So that's where I think you're going to be able to, uh, you're going to be able to take advantage in certain situations, especially with Jordan Howard this week. I think he is somebody you can play in the flex and have hope that he has a good chance for a touchdown. Carson Wentz, I'm starting Carson Wentz. Like I said, it goes hand in hand. Dallas's defense hasn't been as great. Carson Wentz has actually played pretty well. And as long as he has Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz, I'm okay with Wentz. Yes, he doesn't have quite the ceiling he might have if he also had Deshaun Jackson to throw to for the big play. But as long as he has those two, he's going to be able to be service enough in a game in which that it, we should see this game get into the mid to high 20s, I would expect. Uh, overall. So we should see some decent points put up for fantasy purposes. On the Dallas Cowboys side of the ball, Dak Prescott, you got to start him. It's the Eagles secondary. I mean, for passing games, you haven't been able to run on them, and you don't love the matchup for Ezekiel Elliott, but he's Ezekiel Elliott, so you're going to start him anyway, so you're not really worried about that. Dak Prescott hasn't been great, but the Eagles secondary has pretty much gotten everyone right who had been struggling up until they played them. Amari Cooper is did return or is expected to return as of recording this podcast early Friday afternoon for practice on Friday to at least a limited capacity. Now, 
even if he does that, he's probably going to be a game time decision. So make sure you're following me along at MDSFF Show on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some updates about him, especially Sunday morning, that'll at least give you a decent idea of which way they're leaning on Amari Cooper. Because if you are going to wait to play him and you don't say have Michael Gallup, you're going to have to make sure that you're confident he's going to be suiting up, being that it's a Sunday night game. And he's going to be very questionable. Uh, it does look like they're trying to do everything in their power to get him to go in this week because it's a big divisional matchup, so you want to have all your best weapons out there. And if Amari Cooper plays, I mean, going against the Eagles secondary, you don't have to be 100%, especially if you're going to be the number one wide receiver to have a decent game. And we've seen Amari Cooper, he's pretty much played hurt all year and still be able to perform. So I would say if Cooper can go, you have to play him, period. But... Make sure he's actually going to go. And if he doesn't go, Michael Gallup becomes one of the top plays this week. Uh, I mean, not just the Eagles secondary, but if he's the number one wide receiver, he's going to get that added volume to go with it throughout the game. And a game, like I said, that I do expect to be in the mid to high 20s in scoring. Michael Gallup could be in line for a hell of a day. So, And even if Amari Cooper's out there, I still think you can play Michael Gallup as a wide receiver too this week. I think either way, he just has a higher ceiling if Cooper doesn't play, but I think he's a wide receiver too this week, no matter how you slice it, going up against the Eagles in this one. So you can play him with confidence. That wraps up the Sunday night game. Now for our last game of the week, we have the Monday night game between the Patriots and the New York Jets. Pretty Should be a pretty one-sided affair. I don't care if the Jets have Sam Darnold. The Patriots defense has been unreal uh, this season, plain and simple. And I don't know how you play Robbie Anderson or Jameson Crowder with any confidence. Uh, Sam Darnold's not going to do much if you're looking to stream Sam Darnold. I know I've gotten a lot of streaming rest of season value for Sam Darnold questions this past week after he had a good game in his first week back. Look, Darnold's going to have decent games in certain matchups, but take that game for instance. He had 300 yards and two touchdowns, but he still only put up 18, 20 points, and that's the best game I've seen Sam Donald play in a while. Remember, at the beginning of the season, he didn't have that good of a game before getting mono. So, something to keep in mind there. Certain matchups, guys like Crowder, like I, I talked about that in the recap when he came back. Guys like Crowder are going to have PPR value again. Robbie Anderson is somebody who can be a big play threat for you. Again, a home run flyer that you can take wide receiver for, boomer bust type of guy. Uh, that that all gets put back on the table. Chris Herndon's not going to play in this game. So normally speaking, that would be more volume for James Crowder. But going up against the Patriots, I don't know if that matters. Le'Veon Bell is the one guy who I would say you can still go ahead and play because the volume that he can get every single week just gives him too high of a floor uh, to ignore or to really feel uncomfortable about. Even in this game against the Patriots, you know he's not going to put up great numbers. But I also know that he's probably going to touch the ball 20 times one way or another. So I don't have to worry about it at the end of the day. And if you're in PPR leagues, you're kind of hoping, go ahead, catch 10 balls, run it 10 times. What do I care? It's more points for you. He's been pretty good for PPR purposes, even though he hasn't had a great stat line. So you can play Le'Veon Bell, but outside of that, I don't know how you play anybody on the Jets. I guess it's Patriots defense right now. And you know, there's a lot of really good players that are like... You have to kind of question a little bit when they play the Patriots defense if you really want to play them. On the Patriots side of the ball, 
Sony Michelle, we'll see if he can get going. Isaiah Wynn's not back yet, but he is expected to be back within the next couple of weeks, and that's going to be a big boost to this offensive line and maybe what Sony Michelle needs to get going. I also like the fact they re-signed Ben Watson. I don't know how much he has left, but I do think he can still be a guy who can help them out blocking. I don't know what he's got left as a receiver, but I do think he's a guy who can help them out blocking. And we may have to get to see it this week because you have Matt LaClosse, who's out, Izzo, who looks like he's going to be out. So Ben Watson might have to be the fault guy. <laughs> it's a very real possibility. Uh, Josh Gordon's not going to be expected to play in this one. Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, they should get an extra share of volume. Uh, obviously, you're going to play Edelman, but Philip Dorsett is somebody who I think you can play as a flex play in this one. I think the volume for him is going to be there enough so where he's going to be able to give you at least a decent game. And we have seen Dorsett in these situations be able to get in the end zone too. Tom Brady is a fine quarterback play, a lowering QB1, but a QB1 nonetheless against the Jets this week on Monday Night Football. Pretty straightforward in this game of what you're going to want to do. All right, so that's going to wrap up our preview analysis for Week 7. We're going to come back on the other side of this break. we got the mailbag segment for you, and then we're going to close down the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. It's the mailbag segment time, my favorite part of the show, as always, because it's my chance to talk to you guys, MD Nation, who listen to the show, use me as a tool, and have great conversations with throughout the week concerning fantasy football, and I love every minute of it. I love being able to help you guys. I love you trusting me to go to for your fantasy football needs, and the questions I selected out today are some really good ones. First up, I have Coulter, who is a repeat shout-out fan of the show uh, from Twitter. As always, he asked me, Gardner Minshew or Josh Allen this week? And I particularly love this question because I think this is a common quarterback streaming question that I've been getting this week that a lot of people are going to have. And my answer to this was actually Gardner Minshew. Now, they both have very high floors in this week, so don't get me twisted. And they also both have decent ceilings given the matchup. Josh Allen playing the Miami Dolphins, of course. Here's the thing. Bills could go into that game against the Dolphins and just decide we're going to run the ball 30 times between Devin Singletary being back healthy, still having Frank Gore play defense, and Josh Allen just may only throw the ball 15 to 18 times because they don't have to do anything else. That is a, 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 I don't want to say the likeliest scenario, but that is a scenario that has a good chance of happening. And if that winds up being the case, that really cuts down the ceiling that Josh Allen could have. On the flip side with Gardner Minshew, you have a Cincinnati defense who's almost just as bad. It might be just as bad as the Dolphins this week because their entire secondary is out. And he has been aggressive every single week. He has put up at least, except for last week, which was just a crazy defensive game between the Saints and the Jaguars, he has put up at least 16 fantasy points every single week and has gone over 20 twice. Going up against Cincinnati Bengals, we know he's going to have DJ Chark involved. I love DJ Chark is actually in my wide receiver ones this week. So if DJ Chark's going to have a great game against Cincinnati, which I expect, I do think Gardner Minshew has a great opportunity for the 300 yards and two touchdowns in this one. And even though the Bengals are bad, 
because their offense is competent enough and this game is in Cincinnati, they may be able to do enough to keep the Jaguars' offense being aggressive. Now, I expect Leonard Fournette, obviously, to have, he's my number one running back of the week. I expect him to have a huge, a huge game. All I'm saying is that I do think they're going to be able to do enough offensively for the Bengals that the Jaguars will throw it at least 25 or 30 times this game. And if they do that with the weapons that they've had, with the way DJ Chark has played as of late, with the way that D.D. Westbrook has played as of late against that secondary right now, I do think Gardner Minshew has a better ceiling, but even a higher floor necessarily than Josh Allen. And he doesn't run the same clip Josh Allen does, obviously, but he does scramble enough to get you a few yards to help boost your fantasy stats as well. So I lean towards Gardner Minshew, but this is a situation where they're both really good streaming options, and I don't think you can necessarily make a wrong call, but I would lean towards Minshew. And this is a popular question I've seen so far this week. Phil from Twitter, he asked me, Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, or Alan Lazard for the flex? Now, he doesn't say whether it's a standard, a half-point, or full-point PPR. Let's say, for argument's sake, this is a half-point PPR league, just so I have something to base it off of. It's kind of a it's a a maybe if this situation. And what I mean by that is maybe if Geronimo Allison and Scantling, we already know Devontae Adams is ruled out, but it's maybe if Allison and Scantling are both ruled out of this game, Alan Lazard by default is going to wind up being the number one wide receiver, then I would probably lean towards Lazard assuming this is a half-point PPR league. I mean, I I still wouldn't expect him to have a great game just because Lazard's still not a good wide receiver, but just because of sheer volume and it's Aaron Rodgers against the Oakland Raiders and there's going to be nobody else to go to outside of Jimmy Graham, who's just a shell of himself at this point and throwing the ball to the running backs, which I do expect to be, you know, the main heavy dosage of the passing attack, which is going to be dumping the ball off to the running backs in this game. Lazar's going to have to get worked in. I mean, he's if he's going to be the lone receiver out there, there's no reason he doesn't see six targets minimum. So if that winds up being the case, he is somebody who could have some flex appeal for you. Maybe he gets more. If Allison or Scantling, not you don't even need both. If one of those two are active on Sunday, then I would probably go towards Buffalo. And I would probably go towards Frank Gore. And the reason why is because while Devin Singletary, I believe, is better and I believe eventually will take over this backfield, it's his first game back from hamstring injury. They're playing against the Dolphins. They're not going to need him to win that game. Frank Gore, you can pound him into the dirt and you're really, if something were to happen to Frank Gore, it's not the end of the world for, for the Bills moving forward. It's not. So I do think Frank Gore is still going to get more carries than Devin Singletary in this game against the Dolphins. So that's the way I would go. The only thing you'd have to ask yourself, if you think Devin Singletary is going to be more involved in the passing game and they're actually throwing to the running backs in a significant enough fashion, let's say four to five targets, and you think that's going to go to Devin Singletary, then maybe you lean towards Singletary in that scenario. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they might only get, as a unit, maybe three targets. So if that's going to be the case, and he's not going to be involved that much there, I think Frank Gore is going to get more touches against we play Frank Gore, even though Devin Singletary, of course, he has bigger play explosion, but his first game back from hamstring injury. Uh, I'd be a little bit hesitant about that, so I'd probably lean towards Frank Gore, but I'm not going to love it. Not going to love it. Hopefully, I think for your case in this situation, Phil, Allison and Scantling don't play, and therefore you can just play Lazar to know that you should have an added volume against the Oakland Raiders. Trinity from Twitter. All questions from Twitter this week, or for this show, I should say. Last Yesterday, I did have some from Facebook and email. But Trinity from Twitter asks, Gallup or Robert Woods? This is a good one. 
This is a really good one. And this is a popular one too. So here's what I would say. I think both guys are going to have good games this week. Number one. Uh, Woods going up against the Atlanta Falcons. I expect that Rams offense to bounce back. I think Todd Gurley's going to play, which will help them as well. And plus it's the Falcons. They get everybody right. And of course we know about Gallup against the Eagles. We just talked about it. I would say this. If Amari Cooper does not play, I would probably play Michael Gallup because he's going up in a great matchup and he's guaranteed the majority of the volume for the target share. If Cooper does play, it's definitely closer because I think there's going to be an emphasis for the Rams offense to put up a ton of points and get themselves right against Atlanta. Everybody on that team has a chance to eat. I don't, and I, I do, I do believe Robert Woods is going to get worked in quite a bit. I, I, I think Cooks, Cup, and Woods are all going to have good games against the Falcons. I do, um, but it would be. Cl- I just think Woods might get more opportunities to actually score, but it's going to be close. I mean, either way, this is another situation, Trinity, where I don't think you can make a wrong decision at all. If Cooper doesn't play, it's hands down Gallup, hands down Gallup. If he doesn't, it might be Woods for me slightly episode for today i hope you guys all enjoyed it It was actually a shorter one than normal not as many games to go over in the late hour on sunday or you know sunday night monday we're we're all getting to the bye weeks here a lot of the games at one o'clock this episode's next week i'll have the recap part one where we'll talk about uh the one o'clock games and we'll just recap that and then on tuesday we're gonna have the uh four o'clock sunday night see it's been so long i'm rusty i knew that didn't sound right in my head we'll have the all of the Sunday games, and then on Tuesday, we'll have the Sunday night football and the Monday night football recap with the waiver wire report on Tuesday. So like we normally would, all the Sunday afternoon games, and then the Sunday night, Monday night, we'll be there back there on Monday and Tuesday with those two recap shows. And of course, Thursday and Friday, as always, we'll be back with our two pre-vacations this weekend. You can always contact me on there or on Facebook, w, uh, on Facebook at MDFF show, or go to the website to email me. And also check out, I have the updated rankings with the Thursday night players taking out, taken out of the rankings are up on the website, www.am. Check it out. Make sure you're fully prepared for your weeks this week seven on Sunday and Monday. I am going to have sportscaster videos out. I don't know if I'm going to do one tonight or tomorrow. Things and the injury report videos out to you on sportscaster, sportscaster.com. Go to MDFF show USN. That's where you can get me there. And of course, you know, if you're following me on Twitter and on Facebook, you're going to know when those streams come out. So you'll be able to check them out there too. Uh, and all that stuff is going to be available to you. Make sure you're checking out one of my neck in the morning on Sunday, all the way up until the one o'clock kickoffs, helping you guys with all of your start shit fantasy films. Uh, that's belly up fantasy on Twitter. So make sure you're checking that out too. I will see you guys on Monday and have a lovely weekend. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 